You're listening to the Southampton Delivery Podcast, a podcast dedicated to the Southampton Football Club and all of the SFC fans. If you want to have guarantees, you have to buy a washing machine. Match either we win or we learn, and today we learned. Abdacha, Austin, shot at Isabel. It's in field to Mane, 25 yards out. Lovely ball for Bella. Onside, 1 0. Blue fast shot. Oh my word. It's he ran around a bit like Bambi on ice. It was very, very embarrassing to watch. And now, and now, now. Your, host, your host, Matt Markstone. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Southampton Delivery Podcast, a podcast and newsletter dedicated to the Southampton Football Club and all of the SFC fans and available right here on SouthamptonDelivery.com. My name is Matt Markson. and I am the host of the show. And no matter where you are, no matter how you may be listening, whether this is your first time or you've been here before, thanks for making the show a part of your day. I hope that you enjoy it and uh, hopefully you enjoy it more than that performance against Brighton. Not the way I wanted to start my Sunday morning. Um, but hopefully it didn't ruin your Sunday afternoon or your Sunday evening, uh, depending on where, of course, in the world you are watching. But um, joining me basically directly after the final whistle was Jack from Saints News and Views on Twitter. Uh, you can follow him at Saints FC Views. And uh, Jack has been on the show several times before. It's always a pleasure to speak with him. Um, unfortunately, uh, we had to talk about this and not something that was, you know, a bit more positive. But as I said, we spoke to Jack directly after the final whistle. Uh, we answered some of your questions. We tried to pick out some of the, the things we were we were happy to see. Uh, and we also talked about some of the problems, both with the City game and with the match against Brighton. So uh, hopefully you get a chance to listen to this prior to us heading into the FA Cup quarterfinals against Bournemouth. And I hope that you enjoyed the episode. Thanks again for being here. We'll talk to you on the other side. I'd like to welcome back to the Southampton Delivery Podcast, Jack from Saints News and Views. You can follow him on Twitter at Saints FC Views. Uh, quote from Ralph said, this is one of the worst performances of the season. Uh, sorry you had to come on and talk about this one, but but how are you? Yeah, no, I'm good. Thank you for having me back on that. It's, it's been a while, but it's great to be back on. Um, we were having a little discussion off the podcast, weren't we? Just about kind of, we're hoping we had a good, a good performance to talk about, but it was dreadful, wasn't it? It, it really wasn't good. It wasn't good. Yeah, I was hoping. I mean, I think you've been on maybe for two Boxing Day fixtures or somewhere around there in the last couple of years where I think we've recorded on Boxing Day or maybe even Christmas. I don't really remember. Uh, I just know it was around that time. And, and we were looking at the fixtures going like, maybe you got a good one. And and as soon as we think that, uh, you know, we come out and have a performance like that. Um, you know, I was explaining to you, I, I felt a little sluggish. I was I was fortunate enough to get the... Uh, the the vaccine the first dose of the vaccine um earlier this week i felt super sluggish had some body aches uh you know the day after saints look like we just injected everybody with that instead of uh, some sort of adrenaline which is definitely what we needed uh you know with a midday kickoff so a little disappointing uh but still excited to talk to you talk about the page and uh hopefully answer some some questions and, and get into this but um going from a team that was at the top of the table and in the top four to kind of just somebody that's just been sinking uh, for a while. And, and there are a number of factors. And I, I think everyone from the front office to the manager to the players, everybody has a, a role to play in kind of the downfall that we've had. But uh, when it comes down to just performances on the pitch, you would expect better than what we saw against Brighton, I think, especially when you consider what we did against City midweek, where you know Pep was very complimentary uh, of course you would be when you get the result you expect. And, you know, I don't think anybody expected, uh, you know, maybe outside of a couple of Southampton fans secretly holding hope, nobody really expected us to go to, to the Etihad and win. Um, we pressed them well to early on and, and we played well. And uh, unfortunately the, you know, city are just really, really good at football and they wound up, uh, you know, outdoing us. But it seems to be when we play midweek or we have to play two games in a week, we don't tend to play well on the Saturday. So I guess, were you kind of expecting a, a kind of a dull performance given given it's a midday kickoff and all that stuff and we and we kicked off midweek against City as well? I don't think I was expecting it to be to be as bad as it was. I think we made six changes versus City. 
And yeah, like you said, no one expected us to beat City, but it's always a gamble when you do that. When you make a lot of changes, you then have to win the game that you've rested players for. So to come away today with a loss, that's really damaging. And and that has to sit on Ralph's shoulders. It was You make a gamble like that and it hasn't paid off. Um, it's always a hard one for me because at the moment we've got a really fragile squad, really fragile squad. So I can understand why he made the changes that he did, given the injury list we've got. Mm-hmm. But sometimes I think it's best to... I think momentum plays a huge role in football. So I think, I don't know, if we'd come away with even a draw by playing our best team against Man City, that would have teed us up with a lot more momentum coming in today. Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes when you rest players, it, it doesn't give them the chance to, to build confidence. So... Was I surprised we lost against City? Absolutely not. But I just sometimes I, I disagree with a couple of Ralph's decisions, and I think maybe playing a slightly stronger squad versus City would have actually helped um, us today. But yeah, today was super disappointing, and yeah, I'm sure we'll digest that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, just going back to that City lineup, you know, uh, you you look at the team sheet and you kind of try to figure out where people are playing. Um, yeah, we we selected four center backs. We could have gone, you know, full Tony Pulis, just center backs all the way across the back line. But Stevens was in midfield. Bertrand was at right back. Salisu at left back. And 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 kind of like my takeaway was the mistakes that we made that led to the you know, the city goals in that one weren't really a surprise. You had the guys that are kind of on the fringes. You know, Salisu trying to to you know get into the team more often, and he's young and he's playing out of position but he gives the ball away for a goal. Adams, who has scored now in three games in a row, which is great. Uh, We'll talk about that in a little bit, but he gives the ball away for a goal. And just, you know, McCarthy didn't really impress me. Like these guys who are on the fringes didn't really do anything to say to Ralph, hey, I need to be in the team. And I think that just kind of shows you the level that the squad is at. And then when you come into today, you have the, you know, essentially I I woke up at at 4.30 in the morning and looked at that and went like, I guess this is this is the best we're going to do, and that, that that lineup looked okay, and then we were just flat. So, uh, as you said, there's no momentum coming in there. There's no there's it seems like there's no fire in the team, and that's it's not I, I, I that's not really acceptable. I think the team has to do better than that if we're going to uh, if we're going to do anything other than just survive in the in the Premier League this season. I was looking at some of the stats before we came in. I think it's it's ten points taken from a possible forty eight, and ultimately that's just not good enough. It is not good enough whatsoever. 16 games, 10 losses, two wins, four draws. Uh, that's relegation form. And, we, and we're incredibly lucky that there are probably three worst teams in Southampton. And we're very lucky that we started the league strongly this year. Mm-hmm. And I think one point that you, you just pointed out from the City game, Ralph's done this quite a few times, and it might be because he's had his hands behind his back, but he's played a lot of players out of position a lot of players out of position. So Kane Ramsey just signed a brand new contract with Saints and then he opts to start Bednarek at right back. It's interesting why you would give a youngster that vote of confidence to give him his contract but then not have enough confidence in to start him at right back. Jack Stevens, in my opinion, not good enough to be a Southampton player. Then you start him in the middle of midfield against Rodri, Gundogan, some of the best players in the world. I, I, I really like Ralph. I, I think he's the best we can definitely have at the moment. But some of his, his decision-making has, has been really questionable this year. Uh, yeah, you, you see sometimes where, where a manager makes a decision, and if it works, you know, it, it's brilliant. But you kind of, I think a lot of Saints fans have said, you know, Jack Stevens could play in midfield because he's good on the ball. But you just saw kind of every reason that he shouldn't do it that day. He was a half-step slow. Um, picking the ball up on the half turn and trying to 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 find a pass with tackles are coming not just kind of from uh, in in front of you for, or from one direction, but they're coming from everywhere. He was just too slow on the ball, and and that's not necessarily his fault, you know. Like he wasn't really put in a position to succeed by by being thrown into midfield against the best some of the best players in the world. And then it, it, you just have to wonder, you know, is Ralph just sacrificing him because he wanted to make sure Diallo stays fit and that Kyle Walker Peter stays fit. Um, I thought Bertrand on the on the right was maybe the most. Um, I don't know. I thought that was. I, would, I just thought that was interesting. I don't, I don't really know what to say. You know, when Bertrand is you know 32 or whatever he is, and he's he's playing more minutes than uh, all Diallo, Kyle Walker, Peters, all these other guys. It's like you know, 
uh, so, something's happening there. We gotta we gotta figure out what Ryan Bertrand is doing to stay fit, and then we all need to do it. Um, yeah. So whatever that is, get on it, everybody. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, the city game, as we said, just if we could have taken anything from that the first twenty twenty five minutes where we pressed really well and played really well, that would have been great. But but we didn't because you got to play ninety minutes. But we come into Brighton, and uh, I don't know. I mean. Looking at the at the lineup for Brighton, would you, were you at all surprised by what what was there, or were you, is that kind of what you expected? No. And, and if no, you, no, no, no. On on paper, strongest team is completely our one of our strongest teams, um, minus obviously Danny Ings, uh, perhaps Bill Walcott, but it's it's the strongest we had. Um, and yeah, I was optimistic. On on paper, we had a better team than Brighton. I was confident going into this game that this is the strongest squad available that we've got. And I was optimistic. I thought, yeah, we could definitely take something from this. But like you just said, we just never really got going. Um, I was making a few notes kind of through the game. And I think the, the standout for me was Brighton started the better team. Um, they, they wanted it more. They were, they were stronger in midfield. They were out-muscling Diallo. They were out-muscling Ward-Browse. And then there's a couple of good saves by Fraser. And they kind of they made the breakthrough. But I was impressed by Southampton's uh, reaction, reacted well. But just for, for too long, in that, for too many times in the game, we just looked pedestrian and we looked like we didn't want it as much. Yeah. And I was really disappointed by that. Really, really disappointed by that. Yeah, because that's, that's kind of the least you expect is the team to show up and, and, and have some heart. And we, we joke and I think are serious a lot of times as well, too, about, you know, Saints being the only team on the South Coast. And we had a chance to, you know, to send Brighton further towards the relegation zone. Bournemouth, you know, uh, promotion hopes not going well. Uh, you know, the other team down the road not exactly having a great a great time. Uh, losing yesterday or Saturday, um, as as we speak, it was yesterday. But um, and and we had a chance just to to assert our dominance, and uh, and we didn't do it, and and that's that's disappointing. Um, I think I have it written down. Brighton hadn't scored more than a goal, uh, more than one goal in a league game since I think January second. Uh, and we, you know, we allowed them to score <laughs> twice, which is just, it, it shows you kind of where our, where we're at as a team. And um, I think we have some questions about Fraser Forrester's uh, ability to get down to the ground uh, on that header. I have other questions about what we were doing defensively, but that's, that we'll, we'll get to that. Um, but as you said, I, I was pretty happy with the, the, the starting lineup. I think Tella deserved a start um, based on, based on his performance recently. He looked lively, but uh, what did you make of Nathan Tell? I have him down kind of as a, he didn't really offer much. He pressed the keeper a couple of times, um, but he didn't really seem to get into the game offensively. He seemed like there were a couple of times he held onto the ball too long, didn't play passes and things like this. Um, I was really expecting more from him. It's probably a lot of pressure to put on a, a, a young kid, but um, just, I didn't think he quite had it today. And and I guess bef- before I, I turn it over to you for, on, on this, I think back to Josh Sims. When Josh Sims was coming on, as a sub and looked good. And we all kind of were going like, you know, will he get a start? Will he get a start? And then he gets a start and he kind of just disappears and drifts out of the game. And I'm just hoping we're not going to see that again from Nathan Tella. Uh, but what did you make of his performance today? No, you're right. I, I completely agree. He was excellent against Sheffield United. He really lively, pressing. He looked dangerous. He looked bold. He looked ambitious. He was driving forward. Everything you want a young forward to play like. And then today, do I think it was his fault? Do I think... No, I don't. He's he's 21 years old. This is maybe one of his his. I mean, I don't think he's made too many starts. Right. And it's hard to expect too much from a 21 year old who hasn't got that much experience. It's it outlines the lack of depth that we've got in this team. And you're right. He he didn't have a great game today. But was it entirely his fault? No. Armstrong, Ward, Prowse. Where there, there wasn't much service from from either of them, um, or or any of the wide players. Um, so he kind of, again, he was struggling for service and he had his hands tied behind his back. You can only be as good as the, the players behind you sometimes. Um, and if you're feeding off scraps, you're expecting a 21 year old to produce, produce magic. And I think that's it's quite a big ask for a, for a young lad. So I wouldn't, I would say it was a little bit disappointing. He, he, like you said, a couple of, a couple of bad touches, but he just didn't influence the game. But I think it's hard to pinpoint the blame on him. I think you have to look at the the older players, the Ward Prouses, the the Armstrongs. There was nothing from them to help him 
Yeah. So yeah, and, and when we did actually get control of the ball, uh, Brighton tended as soon as they scored, they started dropping uh, slightly deeper than they were. They pressed really high at the beginning, but they had all all control of the ball. I think Tella does well when he has some space to run into. Um, that's when he's most dangerous, I and mean, he just really didn't get that chance today. I think, and, and that might have something to do with it. Um, I was I was quite surprised. You know, generally Vestergaard is the biggest person on the pitch, but today. Um, it looked like that Brighton back line is just is just massive, and then I was it's huge. Uh, the the fullback discrepancy. Uh, Kyle Walker Peters against uh, who was it? Is it? It's not Dunk. It's uh, whatever whatever that giant's name is over there. He went off at halftime. Um, but I was looking at that, going, well, we're not going to win any balls in the air, but we should beat him in a foot race, and then we didn't. He, he I think, set up a, a you know what what should have been a goal. I think they you know ran down our ran right straight through us, and it's just like I I didn't expect that from. Uh, from him and I, I'll be honest, I don't watch Brighton very much. It's not, um, they're not necessarily one of the teams I'm going to turn on as a neutral, even though they do play nice football, they don't score enough goals. And if I'm watching it, the neutral, I, I want to see goals. So, um, that, you know, I just, I don't know much about them other than they seem to disappoint me a lot when, whenever we play them. Yeah. It's, um, it was a bit of an off game from Walker Peters today. He, I, he has been excellent since he's come in for Saints. He's been a real great signing, really, really good signing. But he, he had a quiet game. I, I saw him being caught out of position a few times today. And the whole back line for me today wasn't wasn't great. Look, we've shipped, I think, 50 goals. I think only West Brom have, have conceded more than us, um, which isn't great. You have, To be a good team, you have to build from the back. You have to have a solid foundation. And today, I just want to outline a, a really bad performance from, from Jan Bednarek. He, he's been great since he signed for us, and he's, he's really been impressive. But today, I don't know if it was just an off day, but I caught at least four or five days, four or five positions where he was just completely caught out against the run of play. I don't know if it was Welbeck's pace or Trossard's movement, but he just he overcommitted on too many times, and he got caught out, and then... Uh, Welbeck's pace in behind it just wasn't wasn't good enough and, and today he was a liability and Vestergaard played a couple of nice kind of diagonal balls uh, his, his trademark thing but again his communication one thing that I really picked up on today was Bednarak and Vestergaard both frailing their arms or throwing them up in the air when one or another had made a mistake or had something hadn't gone their way it looked like a lot of the team's body language just seemed down and out before the 90 minutes had, had even happened. Look, I'm all for that. After the game, sort it out, do what you need to do. But during the game, there was just a lot of kind of bad body language. And, and that just that's not what you want to see as, as a Saints fan. You want them to be giving everything on the pitch as they can. And then let's sort it out afterwards. Um, and kind of speaking of body language, there was one thing that I picked up on. I think it was the, I think it might have been the 75th minute or, or kind of around the 80th minute. I saw Redmond, he, he came on, he didn't do too much. And then there was a, a cutaway shot of, of him talking to Delana and they were just joking and laughing. And I don't want to see that as a Saints fan. I, I do not want to see that as a Saints fan. I mean, yeah, you, you, you might know Lalana, he might be pounds with him, but I don't want to see that. We're 2-1 down. Mm-hmm. You have been awful since you've come on. I want to see some fight for you. I don't want to see you having a, a little conversation with Adam Lalana. Do that off the field. Right. I don't want to see that. You need to be working hard, getting into positions. And, and for me today, when, when Redmond and, and Gineppo came on, didn't do anything. Absolutely yeah. nothing. And it just frustrates me when you see Redmond. It's very innocently probably just having a conversation with a friend. It's no different if I saw a friend. But give something. You can have a have a talk off the field, but that 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 really kind of got on my nerves slightly a little bit today. I think that's fair, and and I think uh, one thing that I've been critical of Redmond uh, about in recent weeks is he does the same thing you're talking about with with uh, Bednarak and Vesterak. Bednarak, I think, has been getting worse the last couple of weeks. He seems to be complaining a lot more, and 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 Redmond, if things don't go his way, he throws his arms up in the air first, and and then gets back to playing. And what I want to see is, you know. If something happens, you get back into it, you win the ball or whatever, the ball goes out of play, and then you can, you know, uh, talk to the referee or or whatever it is, you know, or, or yell it. And, uh, I think Che Adams midweek against City, um, they had to apologize on our coverage here for the salty language. And I was like, I don't mind that, you know, 
Um, I think that's that's great. Yell at everybody, and but but yell about the game and and be, you know, see the ball all the way out of play or or whatever it is, and then and then you can you can, you can you can moan at the referee or, or moan at the other player or whatever it is. But um, I think that that individual responsibility just doesn't quite seem to be there. Nobody on the pitch uh, seems to want to be the guy to make a decision or to um, you know kind of put their head forward as as being the guy in charge and. It's not, it's not a, anything against James Ward Prowse. We just need people to be able to take that ball. And I think Danny Ings does that for us a lot. Um, but we just maybe don't have that when he's not in the lineup. It's interesting as well. You're saying that for me, Brian Bertrand is exactly the same. He, you see him, he loves a moan on the pitch. He loves a moan. And I don't know, I don't know why, but it, it frustrates me. It's like, just, okay, dig in, do your job, rather than throwing your arms around or shaking your head passive-aggressively because someone in front of you hasn't made a, made a run, get on with the game. Like, it just it seems at the moment the body language and the attitude of the players, it's no wonder we're losing. You can see they're down and out. You can see that they're struggling mentally. You see that they're not playing confidently. And it seems that, I don't know, maybe that, that spark, that connection they had when they were winning naturally has dispersed because they're on a really barren run at the moment. But something has to change to, to get that run ended. And just it doesn't look like things are clicking in terms of the football component or as a, a team, as a, as a kind of a bunch of guys who need to work together to, to, to win and it, it just seems that things are a little bit fragmented at the moment with, with the team I mean it could be absolutely nothing but from from just watching and, and as a neutral it just looked like things haven't clicked and the, the most disappointing thing in all of this is that there's no signs that we're turning this around there's no bright spark there's no oh do you know what we were really unlucky there uh, a decision went our way sorry didn't go our way um, or something but there's just nothing. There's there's nothing to be optimistic about at the moment, probably apart from Shay Adams. But there's there's no sign that we're turning this around anytime soon. And for me, that that is the biggest issue. Yeah, yeah. Um, let's let's talk about Shay Adams a little bit because Ralph referred to him as maybe a, a little bit like a ketchup bottle. Uh, you know, you get nothing, 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 and then all of a sudden, um, you get a lot. Um, and we have I don't know, if you have the glass bottle, the having worked in the restaurant. Uh, if you turn it over, there's a, you know, ours is Heinz 57. So you have the, uh, the Heinz or the 57 logo. You have to hit that kind of right on the neck and that will give you the, the ketchup in a more even, uh, your dispersal. Uh, I don't know if that's, that, that's probably not a secret, but, I, I tell customers that all the time as they just pound the bottom of the bottle and then shoot it all over their shirt. And it's like, guys, that's not what you want to do. Um, but anyway, uh, Che, three goals in three games, um, you know, when Danny Ings went down, we all kind of asked where the goals were going to come from. We're not scoring a lot, um, but I, I think that that Che has definitely, if anybody has has played well recently, it's you probably have to give him some credit, right? Yeah, sure. I, for me, I could probably count on a couple of fingers who who has been deserving of to wear that shirt at the moment, and one of them is definitely Che Adams. Like you said, three goals in three games. It's it's really good, and he today for me, he took charge. He he led the line. He held the ball out well. Looked for others. But you know what epitomized Shea's performance today is he scored that brilliant goal. And then just after Brighton scored a second, we had an excellent chance to equalize it. Really, really excellent chance to equalize it. And he fluffed it. And for me, that, that is the epitome of Che Adams at the moment. He, he shows glimmers like three and three. Great. And then he misses a sitter. And that, that's the frustrating thing about Che is that... Mm -hmm a bit more consistency and he would be an excellent player. But that, that goal, I think it then resulted in a James Ward-Prowse free kick from just outside the box. But that was a great chance for Che to make it 2-2 and he didn't take it. Great save, but he should be scoring that. And, and that's the frustrating thing with Che. You just kind of want to shake him and you go, ah! Yeah. But 3-3 three and three is, is, a, is an impressive uh, stat for him, especially kind of in Danny Ings' absence. But... 11 goals and 58 appearances for Che since we've signed him. And you kind of think, is that good enough for a striker in the Premier League? He's, he's 24 years old. Is it, is it good enough, Matt? What do you think? No, no, no. That, that, on numbers alone, no. Um, I would say, if you look at the other things he does for the team, you know, maybe 
it's a little bit more if you're going to be the the pass first striker if your job is to hold the ball up and run the channels and do those things because as you, as you said he does all those things very well um but if he's going to be the guy that's going to lead the line and score the goals then then no he's not anywhere near um e- efficient enough in front of goal to 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 be that guy and and if if Danny Ings is to go well uh, I I don't want to go there yet but uh, we'll we'll talk about um you know, if Danny Ings decides to go or is out longer than 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 what needs to happen up front, but um, I I was overall impressed with Trey Adams for the most part, other than you know he did miss that that really clear cut opportunity and the referee in that instance, and we should give some credit to I think it was Janapo who was running into the area, maybe it was Kyle Walker Peters, uh, I can't remember which who it was, but um, running into the area gets fouled, ball falls to Che, referee has a good view of it, plays the advantage. Um, allows us to take the shot, and then a lot of times that's it. That that that's over. The advantage is played, so you don't get the free kick. We got the free kick after anyway, and uh, you know nothing came from it. But um, you you do expect Che Adams to to bury that, and and that's also what I want to see from from more of our attackers is is just that direct kind of running into the box and make the defenders do something, make them commit to a tackle or make them back off, which may give you a chance to either uh, provide an assist to somebody else or get a shot off yourself and. We don't do that enough. Um, it's too much kind of, you know, one step over, one touch, and then uh, a backwards pass. And that just allows defenses to, to reset their line to move forward. And, and then we, you know, wind up slinging balls into, you know, one of the tallest back lines in all the Premier League. Yeah. It's, do you know what? Today, I was, kind of, especially that second half, I was really tempted to kind of write down how many backwards or sideways passes we made, but I think I would have run out of paper. <laughs> um, it's, it's one of the most frustrating things is that, especially when we are uh, behind in the game and we're chasing our tails, we're trying to find the equalizer. My, one of the biggest irks for me is that it's so methodical, it's so sideways, it's so backwards, there's no gumption, there's, there's no kind of aggression. I don't think I saw any aggression until the 90th minute, until three minutes at a time got put on the put on the list and for me you want to see that earlier you want to see more urgency but it's just that we're devoid of ideas we kind of get three quarters of the way up to the pitch and it's like oh my god we're so high up back it up pass it back pass it back to Vestergaard pass it back to Bednarek or it'll go it'll go into to Ward Prowse and it'll pass it back to Bednarek mm-hmm. or pass it back to, to Forster it's like you said I've, I've not seen a, a Redmond a Gineppo a Minamino take control of the situation by saying, do you know what, even if I lose the ball, I'm going to make a really direct run into the box. I'm going to try and make something happen. Mm-hmm. I can't remember the last time I've seen that. And, and it, it's just, there's no urgency. And, and that's the problem is that we are just sometimes too methodical. We're too sideways. And if we're chasing our tails, that's not going to get you an equalizer. Right. Or even like a like high balls into the box or... There's just there's no idea there on how we can we can score, and that's that's a, that's that's fine. And I think when you've got Danny Ings playing the way he did last year, a lot of that gets masked up. Mm-hmm. Individual brilliance. We didn't need to have to kind of be in this position now. And kind of slightly moving it back to Che, I think for me, when Danny Ings was was last year playing brilliantly, him and Che were excellent. Mm-hmm. It really played into Che's, Che's strengths. Chase hold up his, his distribution into Danny. He was brilliant. He was a perfect strike partner. And it didn't matter that he wasn't scoring as much because Danny was. And he was perfect for Danny. But like you said, when Danny Ings is, is injured or he hasn't scored as many, it then puts more emphasis on the other strikers and the other players to contribute better. And the problem is they haven't been. So it is great to see Chase score three and three. I'm I'm really excited about that, and hopefully he can he can kind of make it four and four um, next week. But yeah, you, we just need to see more players contributing to goals, uh, and that reliance on Danny Ings last year is is not the luxury what we have this year. Um, but kind of a, a quick one for Ward Prowse. I mean, like he's got eight goals this year, so he is contributing a lot more than what he was previously. Um, but we just need more players to do that. It's the, the Gineppos, the, the Armstrongs. Um, you just want to see a bit, a bit more from them, really. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's, we, we need more. I think we've come to expect more. I think it's fair to expect more from, from the players. And you know, I, don't, I don't like to complain about getting up early. Um, but if I'm going to get up 
uh, on the day that we spring forward here in the United States, uh, the equivalent of 3.30 uh, and then a 4 a.m. kickoff, I need a little bit more excitement. I need a little bit more energy from the team. Um, otherwise, I'm just going to have to keep pounding coffee and then I will just be jittery by the end of this, uh, which is not, not so good. Um, Do you know what? The, the sad thing in all of this, like you said today, you want to see some fight. You want to see some effort. But sadly, it's getting to a point now where, A, we're not seeing it, or B, because of this really bad run, we need more than that. Yeah. We need to go in with, we, we can't now just have a good performance. That's not good enough. Right. You, you have to win to, to break this run. We have to start winning. And at the moment, having a good performance or trying hard or chasing down and kind of really pressing, it's not enough. You, we need to see more than that. And, and that's not happening at the moment. Yeah, well, I think, you know, a lot of the talk around uh, Brighton especially is, you know, they play good football, they just don't finish the job. And, you know, getting down to this end of the season, um, I think a lot of teams now go, okay, like, nice football can stop, we just need points. And and so at this point, I don't really care how we get them. We we need some points. And um, we have a couple of questions slightly earlier than normal to go to questions, but um, I think this fits. Uh, Justin Woodward, one of the patrons of the show, uh, asks seven points needed that, that would give us 40. Uh, where are they coming from? And I was just kind of, um, looking at the remaining fixtures. Uh, we have Spurs, Burnley, West Brom, Crystal Palace, Leicester City, Liverpool, Fulham, Leeds, and West Ham. And just thinking about this, you know, Burnley, maybe that's a point. I, I could see us getting a point there. Um, it's at home. So, so who knows we have a pretty terrible home record. Uh, we have West Brom. I think that's three. And then maybe something from Fulham or Leeds, but it's difficult to really see us getting something, you know, maybe Liverpool, we can beat them again. That'd be nice. But, uh, I have a feeling they'll be, they'll be ready for us. Uh, I don't like playing West Ham the last day of the season. Uh, we don't tend to do very well the last day of the season and West Ham tends to be one of those teams that get, give us a hard time. Um, you know, Fulham frustrated us, Leeds beat us. Uh, Leicester City, that 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 could be, uh, you know, that's always dangerous. So I don't know. For you, are you are you? People are asking on Twitter as we're as we're talking. You know, are we are we in a relegation battle? And 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 how real is that? And then I guess you know, are you are you just starting to count points now? Is that is that what we're doing? I think it is. I think look, we ultimately as as Southampton, we have to beat the teams below us. And we've done a reasonably good job at that this year. We, I think we've got 19 points from a possible 24 for the teams below us. And, and that's great. So today we needed to beat Brighton. It would have, you know what, if we'd beaten Brighton today, 36 points, I would have been happy. I said, yeah, look, we're not in a relegation battle. Right. That's fine. This loss, it just makes you think it, something could happen. And, and that's not the feeling that you want. Do I think we're going to get relegated? No. I, I don't think we are. I think we're very lucky that there are at least two teams who are pretty much down and out now. So you've got West Brom and you've got Sunderland. So West Brom on 18 points and, and sorry, and, and Sheffield on 14. The problem is Fulham are in a good run of form. They're in a really good run of form. Yes, they lost kind of against City, but that was expected. So I don't think we're going to go down. I think we've got enough to not go down. But today's result makes me more nervous than what I'd like to be. Yeah. Burnley is huge. It's an absolutely huge game coming up. Yeah. And we need to get three points from it. To to stay up, you need to beat the team. If you're in a kind of relegation battle, if you're down towards kind of 14th below, you need to beat the teams below you. We're not expecting to, to beat Liverpool. We're not expected to beat Leicester. Yes, we've shown we can pick up points against big teams. We've actually done well about that kind of the last few years under Ralph. For me, we need to beat the teams below us. We need to beat the Burnleys. We need to beat the, the kind of the West Bromwich Albions. If we take six points against those two games, we're fine. We're absolutely fine. Mm-hmm. But yeah, today's, today's result has made me slightly more nervous than what I'd like it to be. But I, I don't think we're going down. But if we do, don't play this clip, Matt, okay? Just delete this podcast. Yeah, for sure. We'll just, we'll, we'll take it out of the, out of the archive. It never happened. Um, <laughs> I think one thing for me is we, the expectations were so much more, um, you know, coming into the season and now with, you know, uh, coming into the kind of the business end we're we're now we've shifted from, you know, can we be in, in the top half of the table? Can we challenge maybe for a European position, which is probably always, 
just us being optimistic as fans and being hopeful, which is fine. You're allowed, we're allowed to do that. Um, but the, the expectations have fallen so far for the team. And, you know, like we said earlier, there's a lot of, there's a lot of factors that, that play into that, but it is kind of humbling to, to have hoped that we were going to be, uh, at one point, you know, uh, in the top half of the table. And now we're kind of just looking over our shoulder again, which is, not something we wanted to do, and 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 hopefully over the summer, uh, we'll be able to to strengthen the team, and the, the you know, and and we don't have to do this next time. But I I can't I can't promise that you know, um, and I can't I, Matt, I, I I don't really have the, a the really, go ahead sorry. I was just gonna say the really you you touched on it just then. We can get to the summer, we can re-strengthen. But when was the last time right. you looked at our transfer window and said we had a good window? Yeah. I I can't think of one. I generally can't think of one. I think the last summer was probably one of our strongest that we've had in a long time. But we, we had a discussion about this earlier. It was, in my opinion, we're struggling because the limitations put on the club. Ralph has had his hands tied behind his back since he's come to Southampton. And he would have known that before he joined. He would have known that we're not the biggest spenders in the world. But you could argue that he's really not had the opportunity to build the squad that he wants bring in the players that he wants. And, and you can tell that it's definitely starting to, to annoy him because there are more quotes from the press conferences week in, week out of him saying, we need more players. Mm-hmm. We can't keep doing it. And he's right. There's only so long that we can flirt with relegation every single year without it happening finally. Right. And until we get money in this club, we will continue to be this yo-yo team. We will continue to flirt with relegation. So I love this, the, the quote coming out from Ralph saying, we need loads more players and we're going to have a great window. But how are we going to do that? We posted, I think, two years of, of quite substantial losses. Mm-hmm. So how is this summer going to be any different? Yeah. I would love us to bring in a lot more players and we need more players. But is it going to happen? Realistically, can we afford players? Yeah. And if we, can afford, if we can't afford players, do we have to sell before we buy? And then that then puts us back in the cycle. You lose your best players. You then gamble on having to bring some kind of unproven players in. It's a real catch-22. And I think the only way that we can get out of this is through investment. Um, so, look, the makers of Red Bull, if you're listening to this podcast, I know you're big fans. Put some money into us, okay? <laughs> buy, buy Southampton. Um, but kind of realistically, we do need more money and better investments are pushed on from him, Matt. Otherwise, yeah. it, this cycle is just going to repeat and repeat and repeat. And I, and I feel for Ralph because he is one of the best. I think for me, he's shown wherever he's gone, he's been a success. And we've seen glimpses of that at Southampton. I mean, to be top of the table with Southampton earlier this year was incredible. And we've been very unlucky with the injuries this year. But until we have that investment, this is going to continue to happen every single season. Yeah, I mean the the squad is too thin to play the type of, of football that we want to see, which is which is exciting and and you know it, it's what Ralph wants to bring to the team. And when we do it, we and we do it well, it's a lot of fun. Um, but as soon as we get an injury or things start to break down, we do not have the depth to be able to do that. And uh, questions here from fut underscore asd says, where, "Where's the most important position to upgrade in the transfer window? It feels like Saints are rolling out a championship level squad each week." And have just been surviving because of coaching and tactics, and we kind of talked about that. But if you if you were going to look at the squad and you were going to pick one spot to to upgrade, um, I guess where would it be? It has to be at fullback, doesn't it? For me personally, it has to be at fullback. The, I don't know if this is slightly controversial, Matt. Feel free to kind of back back on me. I haven't been that impressed with Ryan Bertrand this year. I think he's been he's been relatively solid ish. But you can tell that his, he's not getting any younger. He, he loses that yard of pace. Today, he was responsible for the first goal today. No ends up. He, I mean, that guy's a brute. Dunk is huge. Yeah, yeah. So maybe A, why was he marking him? And Vestergaard wasn't marking him. But he was at fault. And, and today, he just when he was going forward, his, his feet were getting caught up. And so I think that we need to find a left back that's going to be pushing Bertrand to start. I don't think it's good enough to bring in someone that's just depth, that just offers depth. We need to bring in someone who is good enough to start at left back for Southampton. Yeah. I, I can't remember the last time that I've seen Bertrand bombing down the left hand side, overlapping. He he seems to have just lost 
lost a little bit of, of, of pace. His defending isn't as tight as it used to be. Don't get me wrong, he, he has been relatively solid, but for me, we need a new left-back. And if that new left-back can play right-back sometimes as well, great. But for me, yeah, a new left-back. What about you? I think that's fair. And and I think, you know, we need a we need somebody that can that can play back up to Kyle Walker Peters in case that happens because we've I, I don't think any of the, the I don't think any of the replacements we've had this year have been have been good enough. But um if we're gonna if I only get one transfer or one spot to pick, I don't I'm not gonna add depth. I'm probably gonna add somebody to to change uh the game. And um, you know, I'm not sure I'm not convinced on Minamino yet. Uh, he's been okay, but I'm. It's not quite the. Uh, it's not quite the injection that I was. I was hoping for. Um, but I, I think a, a new left back would be fine. And I like Ryan Bertrand a lot. And as you said, he's been um, solid, and he's been. I mean, he's played a ton of minutes this this season. But he he is not getting younger. He is going to to age, and and it's starting to show. And that's nothing against him. That's just kind of what happens. And he's playing at a at a, at a very high level. But we need we've seen how good Kyle Walker Peters is and what it means to the team to be able to, um, you know, have an out ball there to, to allow the, the defensive solidity on that side that allows Armstrong to kind of be a bit more free in his movement. Um, and we don't have that on the left. And so if we got the equivalent player on the left, I think that makes us uh, a lot better. So I, I would say that, 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 that's a fine place. Um, and, you know, I don't know. I don't know where else we would we would go because the team, like we said, on the on on the whole of it, doesn't look terrible on paper. It just doesn't have it when it's on the pitch, and and I think that's something we're just going to have to 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 kind of figure out. So you touched on it briefly there with Minamino. I think he's a luxury player. Minamino for me is a luxury player that a team like Liverpool can afford to have. I don't think that Southampton can afford to have a luxury player who can maybe pop up with a few goals here and there. For me, I, I don't think I would make Minamino. I don't, I, I don't think we're going to get Minamino on a permanent deal. I don't think that's going to that's really be possible. I don't think I'd want to bring him in. I think there are other players out there who would be better suited to Ralph's system than Minamino. Yeah, no, I think that's I think that's totally fair, and uh, we'll we'll have to see. He's obviously here for game time, um, and he's helping us in in a situation where Walcott's out and several other players are injured. So we'll we'll kind of leave that there. Um, we have another uh, question from Neil Saint. It says, when is Ralph going to stand up to the board and stop agreeing with players leaving on loan with no replacements? And that was something that frustrated me at the end of the window when we sent out kind of all of our fullback cover um, and didn't bring anybody in. Even though they were trying, they didn't get it in. And it's meant that Ryan Bertrand has to play midweek at right back against Manchester City and then play on the left in his natural position uh, at the weekend. And he is, as we said, older, solid, but not kind of as dynamic as I think we need. So... Um, I mean, do you think it's a case where Ralph doesn't trust Valerie, doesn't trust Vokens, doesn't think they're good enough, is hoping that they go out and, and have a good showing and can be sold this summer? Or do you think it's they need to get experience so that they can come back and play uh, for us? And I don't know if it's probably a difficult question to, to answer there. but I think touching on, on the, the original question, I don't think it's a case of Ralph standing up to the board. I think Ralph has sanctioned this. And... For good reason, in my opinion, Valerie wasn't good enough. He is not good enough to be playing as a Premier League player. But I don't. The problem is, is a catch twenty two again because I don't agree that he's good enough to be a Premier League player. But then why ship him out if we already know that we're short at left back or right back? It, it's really hard. Like, yeah, super super hard decision. But I, I agree with you, Matt, that he shouldn't have been sent out. Even if a player isn't good enough, it means that at least. Bednarak doesn't have to play at right back. Right. If we can keep as many of our solid players in their own natural position, I think that would have been a lot more beneficial. Yeah. Um, yeah, Bednarak at right back. It just it didn't work. And yeah. it's not fair on Bednarak to have to play right back. Right. Yes, Jan Valery isn't good enough to be playing at this league at this level. But it means that the players that are good enough to be playing at this level can play in their natural position. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that makes us more solid overall. Um, Unfortunately, I think Ryan Bertrand might be the second best right back we have. Um, and that means that somebody like Salisu has to play on the left, which didn't do terrible, but he's just, once again, he's not a natural left back and it shows. Um, let's see. We have that, a couple. That's, that's the problem, Matt. It's, it, it's the problem of a, of a paper, 
paper thin squad is that you're asking these players to play out of position because we don't have the means to to kind of compete at this level financially. It all it all comes down to that. If we don't have the money to compete in the Premier League, we're going to keep flip flopping like we've had done and flirting with relegation for the last few years. This this summer is a huge summer for us. Mm-hmm. Huge summer for us. Yeah, and, and uh, even if we get new, even if we get new owners in, which I don't think we will, yeah. it's not going to be. It's going to have to take too long that it will then be next summer after that. So yeah. we, we wouldn't then see the immediate investment because, like you said, these these kind of changing ownerships they take long. They take a long time to go through, and I just can't see us investing this summer. And if we do invest, we're going to have to sell. And then when you sell your best players, you get worse. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like. Where do we go from here? It's, yeah. it's hard. I, I, I'd like to be a lot more optimistic. But if you don't have the money to compete in the Premier League, I think Saints fans have to all be a bit more realistic and think, okay, maybe maybe mid-table is, is good enough for a team like us. Yeah. Um, and do you know what, Matt? I'll be completely honest with you, okay? Yeah. If we make it through to the final of the FA Cup, I mean, God forbid we actually win the FA Cup <laughs> and we finish maybe just above relegation, I would be more than happy. Yeah. Like I would be over the moon. So I think that it's been great to have a cup run this year and I'm really looking forward to it. But that's just realistic, isn't it? If we can finish maybe just kind of above the relegation zone, maybe sort of top half or the bottom half, maybe that is good enough for Saints at yeah. the moment. That's that's kind of where we are. Yeah. Well, I mean, if if we win the FA Cup, I think some fans will look back on the season and only remember kind of the, 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 the matches we played good football, you know, when everybody was fit and, and we will, you know, we will gloss over some of the, the cracks that are there. Um, yeah. But a, as you said, the, when it comes to the summer and investment, there's not really any, there's not really any indication. I, there's no, there's no history there that, that leads me to believe we're going to actually do it. And that's, that's part of the problem is Ralph has to look at that too um, and if you're talking about selling players, like what, what, who's in our squad that's going to to garner us, you know, some 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 tidy profit that's going to allow us to reinvest that and bring somebody else in, and and how are we possibly going to get a a better player, you know, if Ings goes, how are we going to get a better player in? Who else um, is going to go? Yes, I want to go to Southampton, uh, and that is going to be better than Danny Ings, and I I can't really. I don't see it. And, and that's not even the way that the, the club goes about its transfer business. It's going to go get somebody that's unproven, that's going to develop. And the, the problem is, is as soon as you miss on that once or twice, you, you fall behind. And we saw that. We've seen that with Wesley Hoot. We've seen that with uh, you know, Guido Carrillo. We've seen that with, with other players. Uh, even you want to go back to Jordi Classy, who didn't really work out. And, and players don't work out sometimes. But when your whole system relies on you getting money for those players eventually... And then we don't, then then we wind up in the situation where we're in when uh, and we're relying on an investor or an owner to invest that has no has no interest in doing that, um, and that's that's where fans get upset. And I think that's 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 fine to get upset. Um, I also think it's fine for the owner to go like, nope, like I've made an investment. Then that's it. I, he the, his heart is not in this club like it is for for you and I. And uh, that's that's uh, I guess that's the difference. And that's what. That's what some clubs, you know, I think, I think Brighton's owner is, uh, you know, he, he's sensible, but um, he's also a fan and that, that makes a difference uh, as, as we go through it. So we have a question here from Colt Baker uh, at the end of the game, not an emergency, didn't get the ball forward um, enough, but it says, why do we never seem to play with any sense of urgency when we are down by a goal until we are into stoppage time? And uh, there were, there were flashes when the subs came on, but just not enough. And, and I just want to say it, it kind of felt like, that's the story of the game where we just didn't really play with any urgency. And that was part of what, what put us behind in the first place. I think we touched on it a little bit earlier in the podcast is that Southampton lack that, that gumption. They lack that energy. They, they play too many sideways balls. They, they try and play it a bit more cautiously. It's a bit more disciplined. And I think when you're chasing the game, when you're one behind, it doesn't look great to fans. They see so many sideways balls and think, God, just get it in the box, a bit more urgency. But I think that, that's what Ralph's way of playing. He's a bit more methodical. He'd rather keep the ball and, and kind of be, rather than being like expressive and flash, I think he would rather kind of work it around a little bit. But the problem is, I don't think we've got them, the players, to put an amazing ball in the box or produce that little bit of magic. 
to to break down defenses. Um, like I said earlier, I think the only bit of kind of energy I saw towards the second half was come 90 minutes, and I think there was a flashing kind of run into the box by Kyle Walker Peters. But apart from that, yeah, there, there wasn't a lot to really be impressed by, and it, that you that only becomes a, a problem when you're trailing. Um, so yeah, that was a real problem today. So I apologize, the recorder died in the middle of that. Uh, I'm going to blame it on the time change. But uh, so if you heard a difference in the audio, uh, that, that's what it was. So thank, thank God for the backup. But um, and I also, when the, re- when the recorder shuts off, I don't hear what you're saying. So it'll be a surprise when I listen back and edit. So uh, we'll, we'll see how it goes. Um, what about you, Matt? Were you, were you disappointed in the, the lack of energy, the lack of uh, desire kind of come towards the end when we're chasing our tails. Did you did you kind of agree with the question? Yeah, yeah, and I and I I do think though that it was not just then; it was the whole game. Um, and I thought that you know just the the lack of energy was was part of the reason we were down in the first place. Um, and it's part of the reason it, it just, we just didn't show up really, and that's I think that's disappointing to me. Um, I would like to see though you know, more energy when, you know, when, when it's very clear that we need to get the ball forward and get the ball into the box and where it, it, we just don't do it. And it's, uh, yes, it, it's disappointing to me uh, all the way around, I think. Um, do you know what? Maybe, maybe one thing that we probably haven't touched on is that maybe Brighton just actually outplayed us. Maybe Brighton was just great. I think their game management towards the end was absolutely brilliant. I think if the shoe was on the other foot and we were 2-1 up against Brighton, we would have probably crumbled. I thought they were absolutely excellent in playing and holding on to a lead. And they, they defended really well. Five men behind the ball, really nice spacing between each defender. And they made it hard for us to, to score. So maybe it's a case of, yes, we probably didn't do great, but credit to Brighton, who, who were solid. Yeah, yeah. And, and Graham Potter substitutions were also, you know, um, they, they were sensible. They, they, they had to make a substitution due to injury at halftime. Um, they, they tweaked their formation a little bit then towards the end of the game. I, I also, I, I hate to say this, but Welbeck and Lalana both played well. Um, you know, I, I thought they were, they, they did okay today for, for Brighton. Um, but when they brought Welbeck off, I think they brought another defender on and they just kind of, you know, solidified. And I thought once they were dropping so deep, I thought maybe we're going to have a chance, but we just, but you know, we, we, we kind of don't have that creativity. We play better when teams come and play. Uh, come and press us so we can run in behind them and we can run at them. And, you know, when we had those chances, like that, that was part of my disappointment with Tella and, and Adams overall is, uh, and then and Minamino as well. We just didn't, we didn't do it uh, enough today. So uh, just overall a, a failing, but also Brighton, Brighton came and had a game plan and they, they played well. So um, I, we have to, we do have to give them some credit. I think I have a question here. This is from Kevin McGee. And he asked this last week, I didn't answer it last week. And then he said, my question from above still stands, especially on the early starts. Um, so for you, as somebody who lives in the UK, what do you, how do, what's your feeling around a noon kickoff? Do you, do you enjoy those? Or you, do you think it should only be for, you know, I, I think the FA Cup final kicks off at some point in the early afternoon. But what's, uh, what's your feeling around something other than a 3 p.m. kickoff? I enjoy it when we win because then it tees up the rest of the day. I'm in a great mood. I can enjoy the rest of the day. But like today, we've lost. And then it just ruins the rest of the day. I don't know about you, but it will then just ruin the rest of my day because we've played bad, we haven't won, and it then just puts me in a bad mood for the rest of the day. So yes, to answer the question, I quite enjoy an early kickoff if we, if we win, but if we lose, no, I hate it. Yeah. Um, so, so Kevin's question, for me, I, I think I've adjusted over the last couple of years to games being played in the morning generally most games kick off at 7 a.m and i don't mind that um my saturdays before the pandemic which is over a year ago now used to be watch saints play at seven um i played at nine i got home around you know 11 30 or 12 and i had the whole rest of the weekend to kind of uh, do things usually it involved some sort of a nap because i was exhausted or whatever but um you know, days like today where we, we play at, at 5 a.m. or 4 a.m., that's, those are rough, but you, you plan for it by going to bed early the night before and all that stuff. But in terms of like watching sports at night, I don't. I don't tend to watch TV in the evening at all. I, the only time I watch TV really is, is when we're watching or when I'm watching Saints, and that's generally in the morning. Um, 
the later we get into the day, the more I feel like I should be doing other things. Like I should be doing like, you know, we watched Lord of the Rings on Friday night and, and things like that. So it's like, I feel like I should be doing those things. And if saints were on at that same time, I would, I would be conflicted and I never get to watch with the same level of, of attention if everybody is awake. So, um, I don't know. I, I, I actually have come to like the, uh, the, the early mornings. That's the time when my house is the quietest. It's the time when I'm, you know, generally alone as my, my, I have a teenage son and, and a daughter who's approaching that time in her life. So they want to sleep in and they don't really want to be around, uh, that early. So it, it works out for me. Um, I don't, I can't speak for all American fans. Um, I definitely can't speak for anybody in Hawaii where the normal kickoff time is 4 a.m. That sounds terrible to me. Um, but, you know, uh, and I also don't want to hear any complaints from anybody on the, on the East Coast whose earliest kickoff is, like today they would have kicked off at 8 a.m. But that's like, you know, that's, that's not that bad, guys. You can, you, you'll be all right. I've got a question for you, Matt. Yeah. Um, with early kickoffs, when Saints score, does it make it harder because you can't go crazy and celebrate because your kids are asleep? Usually the, what keeps me from really clapping my hands, I have to hold, I've learned, I have to hold coffee or something in my hands because otherwise my, my reaction to almost everything is at least one hand clap, whether it's out of frustration or whether it's out of uh, elation. And so as long as I hold something usually warm in my hands, it will prevent me from doing that. Um, but if we score a last minute winner or, you know, somebody like the Che Adams strike from a couple of weeks ago, um, I will, I will let loose, uh, usually. And then the dogs come running down and then I got to take them out to, to go to the bathroom and all that stuff, but that's okay. Um, but, but only if I'm holding something, if I'm not holding anything, then, then I don't, I don't really hold myself back at all. Yeah. I have to admit the other day when Chase scored that lovely volley, I think I did about two laps in my house with my shirt off over my head. Yeah. It was, um, it was quite the strike and it was, you know what? I completely forgot about VAR. Um, and I completely celebrated straight off. And I've, I've missed that because for so long now when Saints score, I'm kind of like, oh, do I celebrate? Don't I celebrate? But I think when Chase scored the other day, I just, I went mental and I just celebrated anyway. And thank, thankfully, VAR didn't scrap it off. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. We can, we can just cross our fingers that it, that doesn't happen because uh, if you have to wait for VAR, then it's, the moment's gone, right? I can't, uh, I can't justify same thing if I watch a match on replay. Sometimes if, if matches are played in the middle of the week, um, I'm at school or at work or whatever, and I can't, I can't watch it. And then you watch it on replay, and it's like, well, can I yell now? Because like, this, this goal actually happened eight hours ago, you know, and, and I don't know. So uh, I can still smile about it, still think it was a great goal, but I can't really uh, I can't yell and scream and do all that other stuff. So that's, uh, that's just the way it goes. Um, but I don't know. I, I think, you know, I, I guess we should just just touch one last time. We talked about the defending uh, on Bertrand for the goal. Um, we talked about, we didn't really talk about the Che Adams goal. I think it was well taken. Uh, Brighton would have been uh, a little bit probably disappointed that they didn't get their lines clear. But, you know, I, we just didn't create enough today. And, and I think that that's, you know, we, we didn't deserve to win. And, and that sucks to say, but I think that's the truth. And I just hope that, uh, you know, going forward, we, we do a little bit better. And obviously the, the game against Bournemouth next weekend is, is a big game for, for the, the fact that we, you know, could continue to progress in the FA Cup. We got probably the best draw we can get. Um, unfortunately, Shane Long won't be playing, but, uh, you know, that will be, you know, we got to go to Bournemouth and, and do the business and hopefully, I guess hopefully we do. If we play the way that we played today, do you think we progress into the semifinals? No, I, I think we'd struggle to beat anybody if we played the way we played today. Um, we have to have a little bit more passion. We have to have a little bit more excitement, a little bit more purpose, I think is, is probably what it is. And I don't think Ralph would have been happy with today's performance. Um, because if you look at, at what he, you know, we did have a question. We didn't really talk about it, but it was kind of said, what was the, what is the point of Ralph? And, and when you, I think when you look at a team and, and say that's a Ralph Hassenhutl team, there is energy, there is pressing, and it's it's every single position, and it's it's the players are talking to each other and yelling to each other, and and kind of swarming the ball and and creating chances, and and when we do that, we can we can play with anybody, uh, and when we don't do that, when we're not, we don't have the individual 
creative, you know, brilliance to just say, you know, give the ball to, you know, Kevin De Bruyne or, uh, you know, name a player in Liverpool's front line and say, we don't have that to just give them the ball and say, go create and, and we'll worry about, you know, we'll just stand here and get out of your way. We need the whole team to do that. And I think that's what Ralph has brought to the team for, for a lot of it. But when we don't, we don't have the energy, then the whole thing just kind of falls apart. And, and at some point it's gotta be on Ralph to, to, to get the guys to do that. But when, once you're out there, it's, it's the 11 players that are out there that have to make those decisions uh, and, and, and commit to that. And if you're not going to do it, then, then we're going to look like we do today. Yeah. I think you touched on it there. You hit the nail on the head. For Southampton to win, every single player has to be playing their heart out. Everyone has to be playing for the team and at the tip top of their game for us to win. And, recent recent last 10 games that hasn't happened and it, it's no it, hence why we've lost so many games i mean 16 games 10 losses two wins four draws until the team starts to play together and everyone starts to get to the top of their game we're not gonna we're not gonna buck this trend we need to start playing together and we need to we need to do it quick yeah yeah um well i guess i don't like to do predictions so i won't i won't make you make you say it unless you want to say it feel free to to give us a prediction if you want but i want to ask you for it um but anyway i I just i've enjoyed talking to you and if people don't already follow you uh they they can do that on twitter at saints fc views at saints news and views is the account they've been running it for a long time uh do you Mm. remember when you you started it yeah i think it was i can't remember the exact date but it was when i was first going to university to study journalism and I thought I needed something that shows a little bit of kind of uh, a bit of journalistic background when I was applying to all these universities. So I set up a, a Twitter page about Southampton because I love football. I love Southampton. I followed them all my life. And it's just really grown from there. And I love it. I love people coming in and interacting and, and kind of giving their thoughts after the game. Um, and I, yeah, I hope people enjoy it. I hope it, it gives kind of Saints fans a, a platform to kind of to, to communicate and interact with each other. Um, and yes, it's it's not always positive. If if the game's been bad and, and there are kind of bad things going on at the club, I'm not afraid to voice my opinions on on a few of those things. But when it is going great and the Saints are winning, like earlier the season, it's a brilliant place to be, and I love running this account. Um, but to be fair, win or lose, I love running the account. I love interacting with the followers. Um, so yeah, if you haven't already, come and kind of drop us a follow and and get in touch. Yeah. Uh, last question just came in from Keith Spake 31 seconds ago. Uh, so we'll, we'll do this and then we'll, we'll wrap it up. But it says, why are Saints a first half team only? Um, are they being worked too hard? And this is something that we, I've thought about, you know, Ralph pushes the players, uh, you know, to, to a degree, he demands a lot of them. Do you think that plays into to players being injured and us running out of steam? Because it seems to be happening a, a lot. Yeah, no, it's a really good question. Really, really good question. Um, we start the game off really well. Every single game we start off brilliantly normally. We we press, we're aggressive, we want it, there's passion, there's desire. And maybe it's just a case of we can't keep up that mentality and that level of physicality for the whole 90 minutes. And that's why we, we ship goals late. That's why we've maybe dropped 18 points from winning positions, I mean, which is a league high. So is that a fitness issue? Is that an issue where Ralph needs to start to think, right, okay, do I change my style of play? Um, but yeah, there's, there's no doubt on, in knowing that we do start games better than we finish them. Yeah. But today we just started the game awfully and finished the game awfully. <laughs> it finished the game even, even, even worse. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's bound to happen at some point. And, and hopefully this is, doesn't become the norm and we can, we can turn it around. But it, it's probably easier to get yourself up to play Manchester City than it is to play Brighton, even though you know, you would hope that professionals wouldn't have to worry about that, but that's, I think that's fair. So there are, I'm sure there are some days I have, I have classes when I go to class and it's just like, I don't want to teach this class, this lesson, you know, it's just not one that I really am, am, am into or behind or whatever, but I have to do it. Um, and I'm sure you have stories where you're like, this is not the story I want to be shooting. Um, and that's just, it's part of the job. So, uh, I hope that my kids don't look at me uh, on, on Monday and say, Hey, like you're treating us like saints treated Brighton. And then, uh, otherwise I'll cry. But anyway, uh, Jack, I just well, want to say thanks again. Uh, I appreciate you putting up with the, uh, the batteries dying. Um, the, the, 
the dogs having to be let out and, uh, and everything else. And I just want to say thanks and uh, thanks for running the account. And uh, yeah, I, hopefully we'll do this again and we'll have a win to talk about. Yeah, no, it's been great. And um, hopefully next time we talk, it'll be off a kind of a better performance, three points. And hopefully next time we speak, we would have won the FA Cup. So I'm sure I'm sure that will happen. Yeah, if that oh, if that happens, man. Uh, I don't know. I don't even no know. No holding coffee in the FA Cup final, okay? Yeah, just no, let it go. No holding. Yeah, just all over the room. Um, the room's <laughs> already a disaster. You get to see it. Nobody else gets to see it. But uh, it, it'll be a mess anyway. So uh, thanks a lot, man. Uh, we'll talk to you soon. Thanks for having me on. that does it for this week's episode of the Southampton Delivery Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. I hope you've enjoyed it. Special thanks goes out this week to Jack. You can find him on Twitter at Saints FC Views. The account is Saints News and Views. So be sure to interact with it. Uh, lots of people do enjoy uh, sending in their comments, responding to posts. And Jack is not afraid to uh, engage in a polite discourse with you, whether you agree or disagree with what he has to say. like to take a quick second to apologize for some of the audio issues today i'm going to blame it on the time change uh, the equivalent of a 4 a.m kickoff the batteries died skype was being uh, rude we'll just say that and uh, anyway i hope you enjoyed it hope it wasn't too big of a, a distraction this show would not be possible without you so thank you for listening and also to the partners of the show the southampton page on twitter follow them at Southampton page. They will help keep you up to date with everything going on around the football club. And the Saints Archive is where you can go to learn more about the history and culture of the Southampton Football Club. Be sure to follow them on Instagram, Twitter, and join the Facebook group so you can get involved in the discussion. The show's logo is done by Matt Beeling of the We Are Southampton page on Instagram. And all music for the show comes courtesy of the Free Music Archive at freemusicarchive.org. The intro song is Epic Song by Boxcat Games, and the end of show credits that you're listening to right now is Aim is True by Pottington Bear. We will, of course, be back next week after the Bournemouth match. There will be a new written piece up on Friday on the website. And um, until then, we're together. March on.